Hello, my name's Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, I'm pleased to welcome our deputy editor, Sumit Singh, back on the show to discuss some of the week's top stories with me. We'll kick off with a look at how Cathay Pacific's recovery has been going, while Summit tells us about the airplanes flying the longest routes in the world today. I'll see how African airspace problems are affecting airlines, while Summit tells us about an unusual escapee from an Iraqi Airways flight. Finally, I'll see why Qatar is flying near-empty planes between Melbourne and Adelaide. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I'd like to start by having a look at Cathay Pacific. Now, we haven't talked about Cathay an awful lot on the podcast in recent months, um, and they've not had the easiest last couple of years. As we all know, recovery in Asia Pacific has been much slower than other regions. And even before the pandemic, Cathay hadn't been having a good time. Um, Remember back to those Hong Kong protests and, of course, the very early COVID lockdowns in Hong Kong. Um, During the pandemic, the airline's regional unit, Cathay Dragon, was folded up and integrated. Also, more than 5,500 Hong Kong-based employees were laid off. A few of the airline's executives resigned and approximately 70 aircraft were parked at Alice Springs. And then even after the world began easing restrictions, the airline was still mostly grounded by flight bans and prolonged quarantine requirements. The continued lack of flights saw Cathay reporting growing losses as its competitors managed to narrow theirs. Now flying has restarted in earnest, but the airline still only operated at about 50% of its pre-pandemic capacities in March. But things are starting to look up. This week, Cathay reported its best first half profit since 2010. That net profit was around $550 million, um, Hong Kong $4.3 billion, compared to its loss of almost $640 million in the same period last year. It is eyeing a 70% recovery in flights by the end of this year compared to 2019 and 100% recovery by the end of 2024. Right now, its capacity is sitting at around 60%, which sounds quite low, but it's still a significant leap when you compare it to the dismal 3% reported in the first half last year. The airline has announced plans to repay the government for the rescue package, which was worth four, almost $5 billion, in fact, uh, which it got re- at the onset of COVID-19 in re- return for a stake in the airline. Cathay wants to buy back 50% of the shares from the government by the end of 2023 and the remaining shares by July 2024. Signalling its confidence in the future, the airline group this week announced plans to exercise options on up to 32 Airbus A320neos and A321neos. These aircraft are going to be joining Cathay Pacific as well as Hong Kong Express, and the group says they'll principally be used to serve destinations in the Chinese mainland and elsewhere in Asia. At the moment, there's no mention of the longer range A321LR or the XLR, although, you know, orders do change as time goes on. Cathay had previously placed its order for 32 A321neos back in 2017. It's already received delivery of 13 of the jets. So today's commitment adds another 32 single-aisle Airbus aircraft to the group's fleet. And this comes hot on the heels of Cathay teasing us with a brand new business class experience on social media for its 777-300ERs, which it said will be coming in the second half of 2024. All we've got at the moment is a brief video and full details about the seat remain under wraps, but you know, it looks pretty good so far. 
So I'll hand you over to Summit, who's going to tell us about the airplanes flying the longest routes in the world today. Thanks, Joe. We have long spoken about the longest air routes here on Simple Flying, but this month we take a closer look into the aircraft that conduct these ambitious flights. Singapore Airlines, Qantas, Air New Zealand, Emirates, Air India and Philippine Airlines are the carriers that conduct the top 10 longest routes. However, which vessels do these operators deploy? Well, according to OAG data, looking at last month's activity, it is the Airbus A350-900 operates the two longest routes. Top spot sees Singapore Airlines' XWB fly 15,332 kilometres from New York JFK to Singapore Changi. Second spot is also held by Singapore Airlines' A350 on an operation from Newark to Singapore Changi. Qantas's Boeing 7879 takes up third and fourth spot, operating on the Perth to London Heathrow and Dallas to Melbourne routes. And it is Air New Zealand's 7879 that takes fifth spot. The flag carrier New Zealand's Dreamliner flies between Auckland and New York JFK. Notably, the A350-900 and 7879 take up four spots each in the top ten. Emirates' A380 is one of the other aircraft that features. It's Auckland to Dubai flights to place it at six. And Air India's 777-200LR is at eight with its Bengaluru to San Francisco service. Quadjets such as the A380 used to feature more heavily on these long distances. This is before airlines began prioritising more efficient and sustainable modern twin jets in recent years. Now back to Joe, who's going to tell us what's going wrong with African airspace. Thanks, Summit. That's really fascinating to hear all that. Well, I'm going to turn my attention to Africa uh, because there have been some airspace problems there that are really causing some issues, particularly for European airlines flying down to South Africa. So following a military coup in the Republic of Niger, leaders of the armed forces have shut the country's airspace until further notice, citing the possibility of external military intervention. So due to the unrest, foreign governments began evacuating their citizens on August the 2nd. Um, France deployed three Airbus A330s, including two of its multi-role tanker transports, or MRTTs, as well as a Lockheed Martin C-130J Super Hercules. 262 people arrived at Paris Charles de Gaulle, um, and in total, France has evacuated a total of 1,079 people. Uh, The UK, Italy and the USA have also been performing rescue missions. But let's return our attention to commercial airlines. Um, So it was earlier this week when Niger issued a notice to air missions confirming the closure of the country's airspace. Um, At the time, aircraft that were already flying over the West African country were immediately rerouted and diverted. So flights to Niamey have been cancelled. Several flights are being diverted via Nigeria, Burkina Faso and Mali. It's severely impacted all flights between sub-Saharan Africa and Europe. And particularly affected a British Airways services to South Africa, uh, which, as any A380 fans, as Tom would like to think you all are, um, will have noticed that most of those are affecting the A380 services. So actually over half of BA services between London and Johannesburg have faced significant delays um, due to these airspace closes. So according to Flight Radar 24, since August the 7th, over half of the flag carriers' returns flights from Johannesburg to London Heathrow have faced prolonged delays, including one particular flight that ended up being a very long flight to nowhere. So passengers on board BA56's Tuesday evening service were eventually disembarked after they waited on board for two hours and they were required to return through passport control. How frustrating. 
British Airways did accommodate those delayed passengers at a hotel overnight. The flight finally arrived at Heathrow 31 hours behind schedule. So also also operating on the Heathrow to Johannesburg route is Virgin Atlantic. They've noted some disruption um, with one aircraft diverting to Lagos International Airport on Sunday evening before it could return to Heathrow on Monday morning. However, subsequent services throughout the week have remained relatively unaffected, usually departing with a less than 15 minute delay. Um, Air France is another majorly affected airline. It's actually amended its schedule. It's not going to be operating flights to Niamey until further notice, of course, but it will operate its flights between Paris and Lome. It's also suspending flights to Banco in Mali and flights to Burkina Faso until August the 11th. Moving forward, it will reinstate flights, but any sub-Saharan African passengers are reminded to expect longer flight times and prepare as such. So I'll hand back to Summit to tell us about a rather unusual escapee from an Iraqi Airways flight. Summit. Thanks again, Joe. And now something different from me and something certainly different for Simple Flying, but a bit concerning, as we reported on the weekend that a bear escaped from a cargo container during an Iraqi Airways flight. It was actually Iraqi Airways flight 123 between Baghdad and Dubai. It was being operated by a Boeing 737-800 and uh, a bear was on board that escaped the container. And this led to the flight crew coordinating with the local authorities to sedate the animal and extract it from the aircraft with the assistance of a specialised team. The Prime Minister of Iraq has since launched an investigation and Iraqi Airways has issued an apology on its Facebook. The statement reads... The administration of the company apologises to the dear travellers of the flight from Baghdad to Dubai for reasons beyond the control of the company regarding a shipment in the cargo hold. And in brackets, is put a bear. Thankfully, there were no reports of any injuries and the bear didn't get loose in the cabin or anything like that. But it still would have been a massive fright for those on the ground. So yeah, we will report on any further announcements from the investigation. Until then... Back to Joe, who's going to update us about Qatar Airways' ghost flights to Australia. Very interesting, Summit. Very interesting. (laughs) Qatar Airways, um, you know, likes to fly into Australia. But we uncovered some interesting information this week that shows it's actually been operating what we call ghost flights almost daily between Melbourne and Adelaide. And this is to take advantage of a unique loophole allowing the airline to operate more flights into Australia. So the current bilateral agreement in place between the two countries allows Qatar to operate up to 28 weekly flights between Doha and Australia's four largest international airports, which are Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane and Perth. However, there is no limit on the number of flights the airline can operate to smaller airports such as Adelaide. So Qatar Airways launched a tag flight, Doha, Melbourne, Adelaide, Melbourne, Doha. That started in November 22. It does also operate a direct daily service between Doha and Adelaide, which then continues on to Auckland. If you're on that flight and you're you're coming into Melbourne, there's a six-hour overnight layover in Melbourne. So it's hardly surprising that very few Adelaide-bound passengers opt to travel on that service, particularly when there's a direct option also available with the same airline. This, naturally, has resulted in very low passenger numbers on the Melbourne-Adelaide leg of the journey. It doesn't have any fifth freedom rights, which is when it can pick up passengers in Melbourne and fly them to Adelaide. So anybody on that flight would be travelling from Doha. 
Um, obviously, that is affecting passenger numbers as well. Now, the term ghost flight is usually describing a flight with a load factor of lower than 10%. Uh, they usually are operated only to meet an obligation. So Qatar Airways deploys its Boeing 777-300ERs on this service, and they carry up to 354 passengers in a two-class configuration. However, passenger numbers are believed to be in single digits on the Melbourne-Adelaide sector. With a more reasonable layover time, load factors are understood to be slightly healthier on the return sector, but still pretty low. So it's clearly Qatar Airways taking advantage of a bit of a loophole to enable it to fly more often into Melbourne by tagging on the Adelaide service. We'd love to hear what you think about this. Is it a smart business move or maybe a bit underhanded? And in fact, Qatar's got some track record on this because it previously operated a second daily service into Sydney with a Canberra tag on. Um, so it's interesting. I'd love to hear what you think. Um, and of course, you can contact us with your feedback and thoughts at editorial at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening.